Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again, Sauhegan Field Hockey Coach and AD Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm great, Joe. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm just fantastic now that summer's actually here. Yeah, well, I mean, just... it's field hockey season, so <laughs> if we could if we could just skip ahead to fall at this point. Uh, right? Like summer yeah. waited too long. I it's yeah, you snooze, you lose summer. Like it's it's too late. We're we're right? over. Right. Let's you. get these. Let's get these leaves changing and the temps, you uh-huh. know, in the 70s. I actually, I had to break out a jacket last uh, Thursday and Friday at, at football. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, it was a little chilly once the sun went down. Yeah. I'll give you that. So this, uh, this, this warm weather stuff, we need to, we need to knock this off right now. Yeah, so, I'm done. I'm over yeah. it. You had your chance. You screwed up July, summer. So now here we are. Well, uh I hope everyone had a uh, a great uh, long weekend and, and are, are ready to get back to uh, to field hockey. Uh, don't forget that you can send any questions or feedback uh, about the show by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at, at NHHSports. Uh, and the field hockey show, uh, after this week, we will go back to being every Monday. Uh, at nh-highschoolsports.com or wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Odyssey. So uh, we'll be on a pretty pretty regular schedule. Uh, it's always a, a weird thing for the, the fall, and I imagine this, I, I feel like this used to be the case too, at least from what I remember being in school, was, you, you know, the, the beginning of the year was always just so weird because you go back on a random day, and then you have late, the Labor Day weekend off, and then you, you, it takes a while to get into that rhythm, right? Uh, yeah, or, I mean... We so he can still hasn't started school. That's we haven't crazy. gone back yet. That's crazy. We don't go back till Tuesday. Yeah. Where so are you? Are you, I think, are you in school until the fourth of July? Uh no, actually, we're a, we're a days hours based calendar, so we're out June fourteenth still. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I don't hate it, but <laughs> I I have not. I don't like going back this late. I got to be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get started, I also want to remind you that we are looking for sponsors uh, for the podcast. So if you are a fan of the show or you know someone who would like to promote their business on the podcast, or maybe you have a business you want to promote, uh, please get in touch by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And uh, a couple other things I want to mention, too. Like I said, we're, we're going to be going back to, uh, to Mondays after this week for the podcast, so you'll be able to get that every Monday morning uh, from now until... Uh, playoffs. I think our, our schedule is going to get kind of weird when we get there again, but that's uh, that's something to worry about on another day. Uh, the other thing that will go back to normal after this week, too, is the coaches poll. Uh, it will be up Tuesday afternoon, so if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, uh, give it a couple hours, it will be up on the site, but that will also be posted uh, Mondays moving forward uh, until this, the, uh, again, start of playoffs. And uh, I, I'm debating, you know, looking at schedules and stuff. Um, you know, I mean, we're we're into this like the second full week of the season already. I, I'm wondering if it's is it too early to roll out the uh, the playoff picture by the end of this week, or, or should I wait maybe until next week? I don't know. I mean, the, <laughs> we were we were talking earlier. The fall season is a weird one. Like it yeah. gets away from you. It gets away from you really fast. So, you know, some teams are two games in, some are three in. Um, but after this week, everyone's going to be five, you know, six in that's almost half the season, right? which is wild to say, but it's true. So 
No, I think, you know, end of this week, beginning of next, a playoff picture early on would not be the worst thing. It sounds crazy. Yeah, and I don't know why the fall is so much different because the spring is about the same amount of time, you know, we, in, in terms of number of weeks in the regular season. But uh, maybe it's maybe it's the va- April vacation that kind of breaks it up a little bit. I don't know. For some reason, like, I think time-wise, you're right. It's probably the same amount of time, but they have the spring plays, lacrosse plays two more you know, usually, you typically, two, more, yeah, two, two, more two to three more games uh, more than the fall. And, you know, baseball plays 18 or 20, which is wild. But, um, yeah, there's something about the fall. Like, it just moves fast. And maybe it is all the extra stuff, starting school, the homecomings, you know, everything else that just kind of makes it feel like, you know, you got your foot on the gas and you just want to you want to get everything going. Well, We'll uh, we'll have to just means we'll have to savor it and enjoy it even more uh, week to week. And and it's already been, uh, I feel like, a pretty interesting season so far. We were just we were talking before we started here that, you know, there have been some results, uh, I think, maybe in all three divisions that have kind of, you know, raised uh, uh, eyebrows, uh, at least amongst the two of us. But I would assume some other people around the state as well. And, and, you know, really gives it that feel. I think we talked about this the, the very first week in the preseason. You know, and talking about Division One at the moment, but you know, you look at and sure there are your teams like Exeter and Dover and and, and Wyndham, who we expect to be at the top of the standings. But then there are other teams that are you know if they're behind, they're not that far behind, and and maybe yeah. the gap is a little bit closer. You know, this year, and and we'll we'll you know start to learn that a little bit more as the season goes on, of course. But right now, it looks like that might be the case, although there yeah, are a couple of teams that are are off the great starts. I think the big reminder for teams is right now it is still anybody's division in all three divisions. So the next, honestly, the next week or, you know, and two weeks is really going to help kind of sort out where things are going to lie. But um, now's the time to put all that preseason training to work because the next two weeks are going to tell everybody a lot. Yeah, the the three teams that I, I mentioned there in Division One, you know, they're they're the three teams that are, are sitting at three and zero right now. You've also got, uh, I believe, Keene um, at two and zero, um, Winnicott also at two and zero, and and Pinkerton at one zero and one. So so there's a couple teams that don't have losses yet. But of those three, I mean, Exeter and Dover have started off the year just kind of on fire offensively. Exeter's scored 18 goals in three games. Dover's got 17. Um, you know, they're not giving up a lot as well. And then you look at Wyndham. Um, you know, Wyndham's had to play a little bit, I think, more defensive game. They've they, Their schedule early on has been a little bit tougher. Seven goals total in those three games. Um, but what I think is big for them is it seems like those seven goals, I'm not, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately, but I feel like you know, seven goals, they've maybe had five different goal scorers, which is yeah, um, which, which is great for, for what you want. That's what you want to see. Absolutely. And I think I think the big the the other piece to look at, too, is is the strength of schedule there. Right. Like, sure. um, you know, I think Wyndham Wyndham might have had a, a couple more challenging teams in Concord and BG to start the season. Um, and their goal differential, at least, is, you know, indicative of that. Both of those were one-goal games, and they, you know, found found a way to grind it out and get it done. Where if you look at Exeter and Dover, 
their goal differentials are are a lot larger in those. So I'll be interested to see how Exeter and Dover, um, you know, match up moving forward. I think it's Exeter that has Wyndham on Wednesday, maybe. Yes, Wednesday at home, four o'clock Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, so that's I mean that's going to be a huge game um, and a, and a big, you know, a big statement maker for for both of those teams. And then I think it's the following week or maybe the beginning of the week after where Exeter has to wait to see Dover. So um, I'll be curious to see how that, how that plays out. Dover is going to match up against Concord later next week. Um, And they have to travel to Keene, who's also still undefeated right now at at two and oh. Yeah. I think all three of those teams, Dover, Exeter and Wyndham, it looks like they all have to go to Keene this year. Of course, it's a, I guess a shorter drive for Wyndham um, than than Dover or Exeter, but <laughs> for anyone, it's still not a yeah. not a great drive. Yeah, this is the the fall where all roads lead to Keene instead of Rome. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they they've got some of those bigger games, you know, at home. Um, you know, looking at their schedule, or at least over the next couple of weeks, you know, they do have to go Keene. I mean, does have to go to Winnicott at the end of the year. Uh, but the rest of those long road trips are they're they're coming to them, so it's that's a a nice benefit to to have not to have to be on the bus for you know what probably two hours. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, Keen's got a hard week ahead of them next week, hosting both Dover and Wyndham. So um, and then they follow. So I'm I'm excited for those. Yeah, follow that up with a game at BG uh, on Monday, um, the 11th, and then they have to go to Salem, which has been. Um, you know, a bit of a surprise team, I think, um, you know, they opened, they opened the season with a win three, nothing win over North and then hold BG to, to two goals and a loss to them. And, and then, but then lost to Dover, uh, five, nothing on, on, uh, Friday. But I feel like Salem has been a little bit of a surprise. They look pretty good, uh, early on. Yeah. yeah. If I remember correctly too, though, in the beginning of last season, Salem had kind of, a. I don't want to say like slow start, but maybe like a like a weird start um, until they kind of found their found their flow. And I mean, you know, getting two big teams like BG and Dover out of the way early, um, you know, might might be a nice thing as they find their footing, you know, going forward. But looking at their, I mean, they've they've got to go to Concord on Wednesday. You know, then they've got Exeter the following week, then Pinkerton Wyndham back to back, like they're not going to have an easy, an easy run of it uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of easy runs, a team that has certainly not had one to start the year um, is Timberlane. We're discussing their start to the season. Unfortunately for them at 0-3 to start the year, but those three losses to, to Winnicott, to Pinkerton and to Exeter with two of those being one goal games and, and one of them, the Pinkerton game, a one nothing loss in which I believe that the game winning goal was scored off a you know shot hit the post and then a, a, the rebound went in um so you know that's certainly a team that you know um people will probably need to watch out for and, and their record at the end of the year may certainly may not um you know reveal just what kind of team Timberlane is and and I think leading the way for them um has been as soon as I can find the, the her name. Oh, uh, uh, Brandy Garand uh, for Timberlane um, in that that game against Pinkerton. I mean, she made thirty one saves in that wow. game, uh, and has just been um, standing on her head early in the year for for the Owls. 
keeping them in these games. So that, eventually that's going to start to turn. For sure. I don't think, I don't think Timberlane's 0-3 start should make people write them off at all. Um, I think their opponents coming up and they've got quite a long road trip too. They're, they're on the road for two weeks straight at South Memorial, Londonderry, and then Keene. Um, but I don't, I don't think you can count them out. I think these three games have probably helped them learn some resilience and grit and, and fight. And they're, they're going to come, they're going to come hard for, for these teams coming up. Yeah, you're right. That's interesting. You know, looking at, at Timberlane and Wyndham on the schedule here, they both have very road heavy schedules like in mid-season you're right Timberlane has what seven of eight on the road yeah. uh, and the one home game is against Wyndham uh, in the middle of that who has six of seven on the road coming up uh, it's, it's crazy how these schedules get you know that worked out like this where you look at some other teams and I, I mean there's not not really anyone else uh, Mer- Merrimack has a stretch like that I should say uh, but just uh, it's crazy how that breaks down, but I guess that's good for the end of the year, right? Because then you've got a lot of home games coming up. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to hit my stride and then be able to, you know, mid-season on the road if you can figure it out and then um, come home and, and be solid at home to end the year, you know, before you make a playoff run. Yeah. Uh, has there been anybody else, you think, in, in Division One that um, that has kind of surprised you in either way? Um, uh I don't know. So I want to take a look at Bedford. I think um, there's always been something I've said to teams that, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but the three things I think every team needs to have before they make a deep playoff run are a win, a loss and a tie. <laughs> <laughs> I got like truly because each of those things teach you something right, about right. your team's identity you have to tap into different things and Bedford's been able to do each of those things early on. Um, so I imagine they're going to hit their stride coming soon. And the way that their schedule plays out, like it's pretty evenly dispersed. Um, so I think they'll, I think they're going to be able to kind of find their groove coming in soon, but Bedford's not a team I would count out. And it's hard to look at a team in the standings and go, Oh, one, one and one. What the heck does that mean? Well, nobody knows yet, but I I think everybody should still be ready for for Bedford. Not not just one one and one, but I, if just based off of scores, um, three games that look like they probably were incredibly all three incredibly different from each other. You had the four nothing win to open the season over get over uh, Central West, and then a four four tie uh, against yeah. Pinkerton. Um, I, I gotta be you don't see many. Uh, you know, many go- games like that where there's been eight goals scored and it's a, a tie or, or say like a one goal game or something like that. Yeah. That's a high, that's a <laughs> definite high scoring tie. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then a two, one game against Londonderry, uh, where, uh, actually from what, um, we had, uh, some coverage of that game up on the site, um, the other day, uh, and from what I understand, the, the game-winning goal uh, came with a little bit of a, a question mark, I think, around it, um, you know, where, where the officials had to meet for a minute to discuss whether or not the ball was too high uh, and ended up deciding that it wasn't, and, and that's how Bedford, or excuse me, how Londonderry got the game-winning goal. Oh, was it off a corner? Uh, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, that's something that Londonderry held when it kind of to a goal. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, 
We definitely expect Winnicunit to be a bit more high scoring, though Timberlane held them within a goal differential as well. So and, uh... it's an odd it's an odd <laughs> spot to be because it's easy to say it's still early in the season. And yes, and it's going to escalate quickly. So <laughs> everybody it's, needs to buckle up. <laughs> it's early in the season as we record this now. When we do this next week, it's no longer early. Correct. <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts on Division One before we uh, we move on? No, I think that's I think that's pretty good. All right. Well, Division Two. Uh, well, you you just said um, that you think the important things for a team to have are all three results there. And uh, your squad uh, last Tuesday against Oyster River got to experience that maybe a little earlier than than you'd like, or or earlier than they're used to. But just um, I, I thought, again, from my perspective, you know, being the uh, objective observer uh, that I am, I thought it was a tremendous game, um, tremendous field hockey game. Of course, that was a uh, 3-2 Oyster River win uh, at Sauhegan last Tuesday uh, in a game where Oyster River went ahead. You guys, Sauhegan, came back and tied it. Uh and then took the lead with what under five minutes left, and I thought at that point I was like, okay, well this is, this is going to be it. Oyster River comes back and ties it to force overtime, and then scored, almost uh, ran out of time, uh, to score at the end of overtime. Yeah, it was uh, it was wild. They scored with a minute and nineteen seconds left in the fourth quarter. And then they scored their game winner with a minute and 19 I seconds just, left in I, overtime. I had to double check that because I, I yeah. taken pictures of the books and then I had, I wrote it down in my notes and I, I was, I was standing there talking to you afterwards. I, Hey, wait a minute. And I had, yeah, I went back and double checked what, what both books had and, and yeah, yeah. it was the same. Well, I, they're just crazy. I, and I've watched the film enough to confirm. I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you of that. So no, I mean, Oyster River absolutely came to play. Yeah. No doubt. Um, and, you know, we talked preseason about them returning a full field of starters. I think that absolutely worked to their advantage for sure. And those girls came hungry. Right. Um, and, you know, our, our, our Sohegan team was caught a little off their, on their heels. I think um, I'm proud of them for the way that they battled back, but you know, like you said, we we went up with five minutes left and you could feel kind of the collective sigh on the sideline of like, OK, we got this. Um, but, you know, just goes to show you don't got this until the last whistle sounds. <laughs> sure. So, you know, a- unbelievable amount of credit to Oyster River. They played they played really well. They traveled in packs. Um, they took away passing lanes. They were very disciplined structurally and honestly had more speed than I was expecting for sure. That was certainly something that stood out was just how, how fast they were um, at, at, at so many spots on the field. What I thought I, I was um, I enjoyed hearing afterwards was uh, when I was talking with, with Oyster River coach uh, Ann Golding, I asked about that first goal that they scored, you know, to go up one, nothing. I was like, did that give you guys some confidence there? And she actually said that it didn't, they already had the confidence. That was just more like affirmation that they can actually, you know, they could play at that level. Uh, and I thought that was a really, um, I, I don't know. I can't think of the right word at the moment, but, but I, it was hearing that was, uh, was kind of neat to, you know, to say, cause I mean, a lot of times you say, Oh yeah, we did give a, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they believe that that they're 
you know, like you said, they're they're returning a lot of kids this year. They belong on that stage, on that level, with some of the other top teams. They just have to now go out there and show the rest of us that. And and yeah. you know, they are so far. This, you know, I, I'm I'm curious to see or to know a little bit more about that opening game that they had against Kennett. Uh, that Kennett won oh, two to sure. one. Um, how that how that kind of unfolded. Um, you know, just especially having seen them now live. Yeah, I'm I'm curious too, and now you know hindsight being what it is, wish I had looked a little bit harder for some film of that game before <laughs> before they rolled into town. But um, but yeah, I mean I'm I'm as a field hockey fan, super excited for for Oyster River because I think they have a ton of potential. I think they're going to have a great season if they can keep rolling and building off of things. Um, and I, I, you know, I can tell everyone in D2, they definitely have the hunger for it. So, so be ready. Um, and, you know, just a, a side point of pride, one of, one of Oyster River's assistant coaches, Kate Heaney, um, is a Sauhegan alum. She was, yep. she was my goalie many years ago, but um, it's always, it's always so great to, to watch, you know, people you've coached be part of successful programs moving forward. So um, it was a very bittersweet day because, you know, obviously I would have loved the win, <laughs> but um, but as a field hockey person, I'm 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 really glad to see some some programs growing and getting in the mix. And I think it's going to make for a very interesting and exciting season for Oyster River. Well, her. Uh... Her being there also meant that her dad, uh, Mike, was there as yeah. well. Who I don't yeah. know if you remember was the, was the boys' basketball coach, uh, and also uh, agreed for some reason to be my guinea pig uh, back in twenty twelve. Oh, that's right. And did the very first uh, you know ver- episodes of the season with with his basketball team back then. That's um, right. He did the inaugural the season very of first the season. One. Yep. Yep. Um, wow! Look at that full circle. Even if you want to even go even further back, um, when I was at the cabinet, uh, you know, the weekly paper out in Milford, uh, he was the JV coach at that time at, at Sauhegan. And I, I hardly ever get coaches, JV coaches that approach me with story ideas. I mean, it's something I very rarely get varsity coaches that approach me with story ideas. Hint, hint to everyone out there. Um, but he, he, uh, his team, the JV kids were, had been, I can't even remember what it was exactly now, but there was a, a veteran that they had been communicating with through, uh, um, some kind of program and they invited him Was out. it the, the red bandana? No, I don't think it was. Um, it, or it could have been, it could have been, and I just don't remember. Um, it, it, this was a while ago and I'm getting old, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and they you know they had invited him out to to watch a game and they were gonna you know introduce him to the crowd at halftime and all that so I actually uh, was there for a JV the JV game and got to talk to the young man and uh, it was a it was a nice night but it was something that you know I don't don't usually hear about until after the fact uh, unfortunately but that's yeah so that was actually the you know how Mike and I first connected on on doing things I, I completely sidetracked us but. Um, no, that's all right. It's all good. <laughs> it's a good human interest piece. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously, you guys bounced back though uh, with uh, with a win over Bo, who who also had been off to a pretty good start um, this year with a couple of wins. 
Um, you know, how, how were they looking? Uh, of course, I know they've got a new coach and, and had some kids graduate, a little bit of a younger team, I think, this year. Um, but, you know, the Falcons are sitting at 2-1 and one, uh, with a pretty big game coming up on, on Tuesday at Portsmouth. Yeah, for sure. Bo, Bo made it tricky. I mean, I, I, Maya Kimball is there, is there, you know, field runner for sure. Um, you know, she's, she's super skilled and, you know, anytime she has the ball, your, your D's got to be ready because she has the vision, the IQ and the stick skills to be able to make things happen. So um, with her, with her leading Bo through the season, I think they're, they're going to make things tough for some teams, you know, and they, they certainly made it tough for us too. I was just looking over their schedule. I was going to say they're hitting a pretty tough stretch here, but then I went out like six games and it's, I, I mean, the stretch that they have coming up, they played, you know, obviously played you guys last, Salhegan last week. They go to Portsmouth, then they host John Stark. Then they're at Hanover, at Pelham, and then hosting Merrimack Valley and Kennett. And then at, yeah. at Derryfield. That's a, that's a, a, a gauntlet if there ever was one if they come out of that you know still in a pretty good spot or in a playoff position that's that's got to be a good sign i think for Bo. oh for sure like they're about to hit their the meat of their season in the next two weeks for sure it's yeah like, um, it's early but not really right right and the thing like a couple of those teams like pelham for sure is the one that stands out to me um but also valley and dairy field like Dairyfields, Dairyfields had a had a few really interesting games to start the season. Yeah, they're zero one and two with ties against Goffstown and Valley, and then just a one goal loss at Portsmouth. So tough to get a picture of what Dairyfield as a whole looks like right now. But you know, through those three games, I'm sure they're figuring some stuff out defensively. I mean, they've they've really only given up you know, four goals to teams that have been, you know, fairly, you know, decently scoring. Portsmouth can certainly put up, you know, historically has certainly been able to put up the points when they have to. So um, fr- Friday night at six, I've got Dairyfield circled <laughs> on my calendar. Yeah, I, well, I would hope so. I mean, you've got to be there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Look <laughs> at that. Um, you know, I we were joking, you know, joking too about how early it is in the year still, but it doesn't feel early. But I mean, for for teams like you know John Stark and Hollis Brookline, who their only game has been against each other, and now they haven't played in about a week. Um, I, I guess the season is still it is still really early, but they both have you know. Uh, I'm looking at Wednesday specifically where John Stark hosts Goffstown. Um, yeah. You know, in a game that I you know still you know I know I know a lot of other. Um, you know, Goffstown sports have, have moved up and, and, you know, rivalries have changed a little bit in those. But, you know, for this uh, case here, you know, this is still a little bit of a rivalry game, isn't it? Oh, I think anytime you get towns in close proximity to one another, it's going to be it's going to be a rivalry game. And I'm sure I well, I'm not sure. I know that there are plenty of players on both Stark and Goffstown that play club together in the offseason. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would call this a friendly rivalry, but sometimes those are the most fun. Has Goffstown had turf long enough to start considering them a turf team going to play on grass here? I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're still practicing it at a at a grass field in town, but <laughs> um, they'll they'll get there for I'm sure. sure. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be. I'm sure they'll be fine. They've they I think they've played at that on that field enough 
uh, at Stark to to be prepared for for whatever might uh, whatever bounces they might get or not get. Yeah, um, and I mean, who knows? It's still early in Stark season, so I think their their field probably still has grass on it. But I also imagine it's kind of like uh, like a mini golf sort of <laughs> grass, like hard packed but flat. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Pelham too. Um, the start that they've been off to, uh, really interesting. A lot of well, all three of their games have been one nothing uh, affairs. Uh, two of those in the win column uh, against Hanover and, and Conval. Um, you know, and then the the loss, of course, last uh, Friday against against Portsmouth, a one nothing loss to, to Portsmouth. Uh, I that that's uh, got to be an encouraging start for another team that that the last couple of years has, has struggled a little bit. I think so. And I, I almost kind of wonder if Pelham is kind of standing on that precipice of like, kind of like we talked about with the Oyster River, like, and, and Coach Golding saying like, no, 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 they know they're a good team. They're out here to prove it to everyone else. These starts kind of have me wondering, like, does Pelham realize they can make it as tough for teams as they can? And they're kind of holding back a little bit. Um, mm. I if that is the case, I think they're going to have a huge breakthrough towards the middle of their season. I think the games with Gosstown, Merrimack Valley, and Bo are going to be particularly important for that. Um, you know, the two coming up, I think, is with Sanborn and Laconia, and they're both at home. I think are a really great opportunity for Pelham to decide, like, hey, are we going to are we going to fully commit to like, no, we can we can do this and put some points on the board. Um, I, I think so. Um, I think those are two great teams for Pelham to kind of break out against. And then, you know, they'll hit the meat of their season, Gosstown Valley and Bo the following, you know, week and a half. And then they can, they can prove it and decide who they want to be. Uh, any, any other thoughts on, uh, on D2 before we uh, move on? Um, Pember, I, I, I want to give a shout out to Pembroke for getting, uh, the win last week over Milford 4-1. Um, I think that's, that's probably the most goals that Pembroke scored in a game in, in a bit of time. I think definitely last season. I don't know that they were able to put four on the board. So, yeah, they were, you know, I think kudos, they were much, much, kudos more, to them. much more of a defensive team a year ago, if I'm remembering correctly. I um, think so. I know that was the strength, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, looking at their returners, that was a lot of, uh, a lot of their returning players were on the defensive side. Um, so yeah, but yeah, good to see, you know, they, 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 I was hope you were hoping to kind of see some of that momentum from, from making the playoffs last year kind of carry over into this season. So yeah, obviously a rough start, um, but yeah, good to see them get a win there. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how D2 shakes out. I think the, I think the race for the top five spots other than other, I think two through five are going to be highly contested finishes. So really everybody's fighting for that, uh, that second buy uh, in in the first round. Um, All right. Well, you know, D3, uh, we talked uh, last week when we were previewing it, Um, you know, watch out, you know, or, or, you know, don't be alarmed by, uh, if Bishop Brady has a bit of a slower start because the last couple of years that's been the case and they've still wound up uh, playing on the final day in the championship game. Uh, I don't. I think they've had the opposite of that to this point 
Uh, you know, they open the week with with a pair of wins, uh, a four nothing win over Conant in um, you know a, a game I kind of highlighted as I thought a, an early um, you know potential playoff matchup there, and then they turn around, go to Guilford and win two to one. Um, you know, they get goals from uh, Kimball Rose and and Camden uh, Dupre. Um, you know, the second goal comes with about a minute 50 left in the third quarter for them to go up 2-0. Uh, their goalie, Ava Archambault, makes 17 saves in that game, and uh, and they take down the defending champs who were undefeated a year ago. Um, you know, and it looks like um, Guilford actually had a 13-2 edge on corners for the game. Wow. So just uh, a really impressive week for the Giants to start out the year. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's great for Brady and and you know they'll see Guilford again mid-season, which I think will tell us some tell us a bit more too about how both teams have adjusted and grown and you know are shaping up to end the season. So so that one I think is definitely one to watch. But yeah, Brady is Brady is out of the gates running, outscoring opponents what six six one yeah it's about four against conan and uh and yeah they're going but i mean you know guilford responded well with a 7-0 win at winnesquam just a couple of days after that loss to brady so it's nice to know that the that the defending champs are not you know are not hanging on that loss and are, are eager to get back out there and remind people who they are you know, I, I forget sometimes too that these these um, the division three schedules are a lot different than than one and two. Like you said, that that you have teams playing each other twice, right? Uh, and then and then you know not playing a whole bunch of other teams, uh, but not just sometimes twice, but sometimes back to back. That just seems crazy to me. Like I look, you know, you look at at, at Kearsarge opened their year um, with back to back games against Monadnock, both identical four nothing games. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they gave Conan a pretty good game, um, you know, one nothing on the road there, uh, loss for Kearsarge. Um, You know, they're a team that I think we highlighted last week as potentially being one that could get back into the playoffs. And then the other um, other one that's kind of stood out to me is Hockington. Um, just a, a really tough year last year coming off of the championship. Uh, you know, they opened the year with a, a 3-2 loss at Newport, who is uh, – was a final four team a year ago with a lot of returners. Uh, and then they go, or they, they come home, they beat Messenic 4-1, who was another team in the final four last year. And they go to White Mountains and get a 6-3 win there. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, Hopkinton clearly can put points on the board. They're already at 12 goals for the season. Like, that's, that's huge. So the teams that they're coming up against had better be, their goalies had better be ready, their decors had better be ready because... Clearly, Hopkinton Hopkinton can put the ball in the net. Now, I have a question for you as a co- as a coach. Are you mm-hmm. um, do you believe in in good losses or or uh, moral victories? I guess is is that such a thing, or or do you not believe in that? You just so one thing I tell my team, not frequently, but I had to tell them last Tuesday: you either win or you learn. We can't look at a loss as a loss or a setback. We look at losses as an opportunity to teach us where we're deficient and what what it is we need to do better. So 
yeah, I think there are such things as good losses in the sense that you can learn from them. Um, nothing's more fun than winning. So you'll <laughs> oh, never, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I'll never say like, Ooh, I'm really glad we lost that one. Like, no, but, but I, I do believe that you learn a lot more from losses than you do from wins. Well, I, I asked that because of, uh, you know, Muscoma Valley uh, opened the year with uh, with a game at Hanover. Of course, Hanover being a D2 team, one of the few uh, few games, I think, all year uh, that's a crossover between divisions. And they go to Hanover and, and, and drop a 2-1 game uh, against, uh, you know, the Bears. Uh, that's, I, I got to imagine that's a game that they come out of, you know, feeling like, you know, that was uh, that was a good result despite the loss. I think so, too. And I'm trying to look really fast, but my spidey senses are telling me that that might have been an overtime game as I, well. Now that you say that, I think you might be right. Um. So, yeah, I mean, if you can play up a division and take take a team to overtime, and again, like we talked about the, the local rivalry, right, like that 89 corridor set of teams, like that's a – that's a good game, and I think that's a confidence builder for Mascoma, even though you didn't necessarily come out with the win there. Like, you showed that you can hang with um, a D2 team on turf and, um, you know, not a, not a terrible way to start the season. Yeah. Oh, of course, now that I was I was trying to pull that up to see if you were correct on the overtime thing, and, and now it just finally came up. Um, yes, it was, it was an overtime. Phew. <laughs> that would have been that would have been really embarrassing. Um, I don't know any other any other thoughts on Division Three before we uh, we wrap up for the week. No, I'm I'm excited to see how all the divisions uh, you know fare this next week. And like you said, I'll be I'll be eager to see what the early playoff predictions look like when we yeah. talk again next week. Yeah, I think now that I, now that we've we've had a chance to talk about everybody and looking at some of. Uh, uh, one and two, you might be able to start doing some of that with at the end of this week. But I think there's some schedules are li- have been a little bit lighter in D3. Maybe, maybe I'll wait till the beginning of next week. That's fair. Something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's going to uh, just about wrap us up for this week. Uh, Kelly, thanks again for joining me. My pleasure. Right, she is Kelly Braley, uh, Sauhegan AD and field hockey coach. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week.